Hey, and welcome to the teaching podcast of Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. At Cows, we like to keep things simple. We are committed to verse-by-verse teaching through the Bible to help people know, love, and become fully committed followers of Jesus. It is our prayer and hope that this message challenges, encourages, and equips you to that end. So uh, this week, uh, we get to continue on um, in this journey uh, looking at Jonah. So um, in our first week, I don't know if you remember, but when John was introducing the book, he asked the, the question of what comes to mind when you think of, of Jonah, right? Or the book. And one of the answers was the, the fish, or as our kids' books like to depict it, a nice pretty blue uh, whale, right? Really cute. Um, but there's more to, to the story than, than just the, the whale, but we uh, will meet this creature today. Um, Jonah is often labelled, right, as this reluctant prophet, and for, for good reason, um, but you've probably seen already, and, and we'll see today, I think at times he's, he's a bit more than that as well. He, was, he has been quite defiant up to this point, right? Last week, uh, we left Jonah um, in the water, right? And the sailors on the boat sacrificing and making vows to the Lord. Where the sailors should have been worshipping their, their pagan gods, they were worshipping Yahweh. And where Jonah was supposed to be obeying God as his messenger, he was running from God and the message that God had told him to deliver. And we'll see that where Jonah should have died, being thrown into the water, and then into the belly of this creature, God showed mercy. Jonah is really this, this book of kind of upside down and, and back to front, right? So those who should be following God are not, and those who normally would not follow uh, God are. And that which normally would bring death is actually leading to life. So this week we're going to meet the, the elephant in the room, as I said, or the fish in the room. Um, we're going to hear Jonah cry out to the Lord in his prayer, which is pretty much all of chapter 2, right? Except for the uh, vomit at the end. Um, today's sermon I've titled, uh, A Prayer Worth Digesting. <laughs> so yes, you're welcome. That's my dad joke for the day. Um, when, we, when we take a look at, at Jonah's prayer, I hope that it'll become clear what Jonah's heart is behind his prayer and the realisations that, that he comes to, because this is really important for us. But most of all, if you take anything from today or anything sinks in, right, I hope it's that you see God as merciful and gracious. And he's merciful and gracious despite our actions, and through our circumstances, no matter how severe they may seem. So to help us with that, let me pray, and then we're going to dive in. Oh, Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you that it speaks to us. Lord, in our circumstances, whether we're at the top of the mountain or way down in the valley or in the belly of the proverbial fish, Lord, you are there and we can cry out to you. Lord, thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you show your mercy to us each and every day. 
Go before me as I speak, Lord. I pray that I would speak your words and not mine. Amen. So Jonah has found himself, right, as I said, sinking to the bottom of the ocean, right? Going down, down, down. Has anyone here nearly drowned before? Yeah, right? So when I was uh, in high school, um, we were on a canoe trip in the Barrington Tops. And I was in the canoe with my friend. He was at the front, I was at the back. As we're coming down the river, there was a tree that had fallen over the river. And despite, and the current was quite strong, so despite our best efforts and our semi, uh, or not very good uh, canoe skills, we ended up hitting the, the log. And as we hit the log, the current turned the boat to the, to the log and rolled the boat. Now my friend being in the front, he was closer to the shore and he stood up quite quickly, right? Because it was shallow. I went under the canoe and towards going underneath the log. As I went under, somehow I managed to grab the canoe behind me and I was holding on. It obviously wasn't very long, but in my mind I'm going, I'm not strong enough to pull myself against the current and get out of here. If I let go and go under the log, there's just branches and there's roots and I'm gonna get tangled and I'm stuck there. I'm done, right? This is it for me. No more, no more Daniel in this life, I'm, I'm finished. Next thing I know, I was up standing next to my friend on the shore. I'm not really sure how I got to that point, but all I can think of is I was given some sort of extra portion of strength to pull myself out and get out of that situation, right? But it was a scary moment for me in, in my life. So in another attempt to, to run from what God had told him to do, Jonah had requested, right, to be hurled in the sea. Throw me in, it'll sort your problems, God will calm the storm, just chuck me overboard, right? He's now sinking. And when we get to Jonah's prayer, you're going to read his emotions, right, that, that he's going through as he's sinking. You will see that Jonah, right, he believed he, he was going to die. But does getting thrown into the ocean accomplish what we saw Jonah had hoped? Does Jonah get to escape what God had told him, told him to do, commanded him to do? No, right? So God appoints, as, as Mish read for us, God appoints, or more, uh, more literally appointed, a great dag or dagar, it's called. It's the word for fish. We don't know exactly what this was or exactly what it looked like, but we do know that it was God that sent this. And it was a dog or a fish, right? A great fish. I want to pause here for a moment and you don't have to turn there, but you can if you want. Genesis 1.28 and then we're going to look Genesis, 1, uh, Genesis 9, 1 through 2. But Genesis 1.28 says, And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the same word there, Doug, and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then when you get to Genesis 9, 1 through 2, it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, very familiar, and fill the earth. But the fear and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the dog or the fish of the sea. And if I'm not saying that word correctly in Hebrew, forgive me, into your hands they are delivered. So Adam was given authority, right, over all the creatures, including the fish of the sea. 
Although Noah's command was, was slightly different um, in that he was asked to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, but instead of being asked to subdue creation, God said that all creatures, including the fish, would be in fear of Noah and his family. So essentially that they could be fruitful and multiply. Where am I, where am I going with this, right? So that which was pre-fall was under the God-appointed authority of man. And then post-flood was afraid of man for man's protection. And it's now, when we get to Jonah, is sent by the authority of God to correct a man, a man that is running and in sin. Friends, God designed a world in which his most prized creation, that's us, his image bearers, lived in harmony with God as the head of all things and mankind as the carer and authority over creation. In our sin, we've tried to to flip that, right? We've tried to overthrow that order and put ourselves as God. Jonah, he knew the power of God over creation, yet he tries to twist it to his benefit, right? Throw me in the ocean and God will calm the storm. Jonah knows God's power and he tried to use it to escape God. It just doesn't work. He thinks the ocean that God created and has power over will provide him escape from that which God asked him to do. Doesn't work. Chomp. The fish comes and swallows him. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Three days in the belly of something and surviving. I don't know what you thought when you read this for the first time. Hasn't God thought of stomach acid or doesn't God know that the food Jonah would at least be digested in that time I came to the conclusion that if I get hung up on this I'm going to struggle with a lot in the Bible right or what about even the next chapters in in Jonah where a whole city from the top to the bottom that was an evil nation and God was ready to destroy repented right i don't know how jonah survived this i don't even know exactly what swallowed him but i do know that god works miracles over and over again and if we think that we can run and we can hide from him just take a moment and and listen to to psalm 139 oh lord you have searched me and known me you know when i sit down and when i rise up Do you discern my thoughts from afar? You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I go to the belly of a fish, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. God sees and God knows, and as Tony pointed out last week, this is either a comfort for us, right, if we're we're walking with God, that comforts us. 
But if we're running from God, it's a bit uncomfortable and scary. I want you to jump with me to Matthew chapter 12, 38 through 42. Um, John mentioned this, this passage in, in his intro to us, um, and I just want to take us back there. So then some of the scribes and the Pharisees told Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he replied to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves a sign, yet no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Because just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment and condemn the people living today because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. But look, something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will stand up and condemn the people living today because she came from so far away to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But look, something greater than Solomon is here. I don't want to spend a, a lot of time here, but when Jesus comments on, on something from, from the Old Testament, it's worth taking a, a look at. I was thinking about this, and so the fish that was, or the sea creature that was naturally, um, and in any other situation, an instrument of death for anyone finding themselves in its belly, right? Jonah should have died. However, God used this fish to provide life, not just for Jonah, then physically, but for the people of Nineveh, the cross and the grave, which is an instrument of death and finality, right? However, with Jesus, the cross and the grave provided life and salvation for all humanity. Jesus was standing right in front of the religious leaders and they were asking him for a sign, right? These are the people that were leading and guiding Israel supposed to be, right? But they didn't see Jesus for, for who he was. Jonah was the one that was supposed to be representing God, right? Speaking God's message. But he's trying to run from God and end his life to escape it. Jonah couldn't, but sorry, but Jesus came and obeyed God, right? Submitting himself to death on the cross so that all might be saved. See the contrast? Jonah couldn't stand the thought of the Gentile being saved. Jesus suffered death on the cross and conquered the grave so that none should perish but all should have eternal life what man means for evil god meant for good jonah wanted to again end his life and ultimately free himself from the responsibility of reaching nineveh he was running friends i pray that you and i would not come to to that point where we would prefer death over obedience to god Jonah had to go through a lot to get to this point. So what's the point of the fish? Right? There's different views on whether the book of Jonah is just simply a parable, right? I.e. a story to teach a lesson that doesn't need to be factual or historical necessarily. Or, on the other hand, whether it's a historical narrative and there's a spectrum between those two. Whatever view you take, I think this story is crazy and intense but most importantly it teaches us so much of who god is and his mercy and his grace for humans i want to share with you two passages right that use similar imagery to the book of jonah 
when they're talking about God's people in rebellion and the consequences of their rebellion catching up to them. So Hosea 8, 1 through 4, and then verse 8 says, Set the trumpet to your lips. One like a vulture is over the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and have rebelled against my law. To me, they cry, my God, we Israel know you. Israel has spurned the good. The enemy shall pursue him. They made kings, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. Is, and then verse 8, Israel is swallowed up. Already they are among the nations as a useless vessel. And then Jeremiah 51, 34 says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me. He has crushed me. He has made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me like a monster. He has filled his stomach with my delicacies. He has rinsed me out. See, the type of imagery among the prophets is sometimes similar, right? But the point is, when a person or people rebel continuously against God, they stand ready for judgment or correction, either in this life or the next. And friends, that is God's mercy. God showed Jonah mercy by sending this fish. What happens next? I don't know about you, but sometimes you get to a story and you're like, it's not gone very well so far. Don't want to keep reading. What's, what's going to happen next, right? Jonah's in this fish. He's been rebelling, rebelling, rebelling. But what happens? We get to chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Jonah, I don't know if you've noticed, but Jonah has been on a downward spiral, right? Down to Joppa, down into the ship, down into the inner part of the ship, down into sleep. He was cast into the sea, and now Jonah is in the belly of the fish. There's very clear wording and imagery as you go through. Jonah makes here his first good choice. What is it? He prays to the Lord. You don't have to put your hand up, but have you ever found yourself in such a low, hard place that all you can do is just cry out for help? Like a helpless baby, right? All they can do when they need something is cry out. They can't help themselves. I want to read here verses 1, one through 3. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. I need to think about what Jonah's saying here, what he's going through. Sometimes God has to bring us to our lowest point, right, to just get our attention. I won't use names uh, here, but I watched these clips recently. They're about three weeks apart, right? And in the first clip, a very famous person, let's call them person X, was absolutely berating and mocking his co-host on the podcast, right? person why for being a christian he was really really digging into him telling him he's absolutely ridiculous for believing in god right 
About three weeks later, there's another podcast with these two gentlemen. And person X apologized to Y for his comments, saying, the following three weeks of my life after mocking you and mocking your God were the worst I have had, including violent food poisoning, having major relational problems. I had equipment confiscated off me and the list went on, right? X, he didn't make a a commitment to follow God, but he said that I felt God's wrath for the first time and it was because I blasphemed your Jesus, right? It was a moment of recognition for him where he went from absolutely denying that God even existed to being like, oh wait, maybe he does. I'm not a a prophet I don't have some kind of special insight into your particular situation but some of you guys might be going through something really hard some really tough times it might be due to sin or rebellion from God and God might be trying to bring you back in line it may be just circumstances in your life or like Job this might be a time of trial and testing to refine you Nonetheless, you may find yourself like Jonah, having gone down, 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 and then find yourself in the proverbial belly of the fish. Stripped of all your ways out, seemingly nowhere to turn. If this is you, reflect on Jonah's prayer. We're going to see him in a moment, what he does with this. Verses 2 and 3 show us some realizations that Jonah has, right? He has two realizations, that God answered him and heard him, and that the waves, the billow, the storm were the Lord's. So firstly, that God answered him and heard. So it took Jonah to be in the belly of the fish in order to cry out to the Lord. Jonah heard from God, right? And he ran. Jonah was in the storm and he slept. Jonah was thrown overboard and he expected to die. And now Jonah is in the belly of the fish and he called out to the Lord. Sometimes I look around the world and I think, what is it going to take for people to call out to the Lord? Sometimes I look back in my life and go, why didn't I call out to the Lord sooner? So if you're running from the Lord, if you're ignoring sin in your life, or if you're going through a trial and you haven't called out to the Lord, what is it going to take for you to call out to the Lord? What is it going to take for me to call out to the Lord when I'm in trial? Because imagine this scene with me. Jonah's in in the belly of a creature. Don't imagine it's very comfortable. It probably stings. It's dark, maybe confined. In other words, Jonah has run out of options. He has nowhere to go. What does he do? Jonah brings to mind scriptures he knows to create this poetic prayer. Psalm 3, 4 says, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Psalm 121 says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Right, Jonah's prayer could fit beautifully right into the Psalms. Jonah is experiencing God hearing him. Jeremiah 33, 2 through 3 tells us, 
Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And Psalm 91, 15 says, When he calls to me, I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Friends, the word of God, it promises us that when we call out to God, he will hear us. That may not look like a giant fish. It may not look like the exact answer to your prayer that you wanted. But we can be assured that he hears us and he will answer us. Secondly, the waves and the billows, the storm were the Lord's. Jonah says, all your waves and your billows, right? Who threw Jonah over the side of the boat? It was the sailors, right? Who does Jonah say cast him into the depths? The Lord. Who got Jonah into the situation he was in? Jonah. Right? Friends, we may want to stamp our feet and cross our arms about our situation and be stubborn. Instead, we should be looking at what God is trying to do in us or through us through the situation we are in. You don't have to look far right in the Bible to see a situation or a person where God has redeemed it for his plans and his purposes and the blessing of his people. Right. For example, in the beginning, the earth was without what form and void. What does God do? He brings about beautiful creation and order. Adam and Eve sin and get kicked out of the garden. God promises one that will come and crush sin and death. Skipping ahead, Joseph is thrown into a well and sold into slavery. He is later used to save Israel because of the position that God allowed him to be in. And ultimately, Jesus was killed and he provided salvation for the world. Despite you and I and our circumstances, God is working through it. Jonah recognized that God had pursued him and pursued him. That although it was the sailors that threw him into the sea, God was at work in the situation. This was God getting Jonah's attention. One author described his, his tragic circumstances in his life as God dealing a severe mercy. Sometimes there are severe circumstances in our life. Again, I can't speak to the one that you may be going through. But God is showing you, or maybe showing you, a severe mercy. God loved the people of Nineveh, and he loved Jonah. God chose Jonah to be his messenger. And in order to get Jonah to the point of going to Nineveh and the people of the city of Nineveh being spared judgment, God had to deal severely with Jonah. This was God's mercy through the storm. Jonah was saved from death. Jonah was used to minister to Nineveh, and the people of Nineveh were saved. God showed himself merciful in this. may not look like it from the outside, but God was showing himself merciful. Friends, look in hopeful expectation to what God will do. When you are feeling stuck in the belly of the fish with nowhere to go except to God, be hopeful for what God will do through that situation. Next, in verses 4 through 9, Jonah has these moments of realization and return. Jonah, in his, in his poetic prayer, is recounting his, his circumstance 
literally from top to bottom, right? If you read through it, you'll see, you cast me into the deep, the flood surrounded me, the waves and the billows surrounded me, the waters closed over me, the deep surrounded me, the weeds wrapped around my head, the roots of the mountain, uh, to the roots of the mountain I went down, whose bars closed over me, right? So there's this picture of him getting further and further down. This downward spiral, right, has been a theme. Yet, chapter 2, there are these moments for Jonah of realisation and return to God. We already looked at verse 2 where, God, uh, where Jonah called out to the Lord a moment of return and acknowledged that, he, that God heard him, a moment of realisation. I want to look at three more moments of return and, and realisation. First, yet I shall look upon your holy temple, verse 4. So the temple, right, for, for Israel, that was the, the epicenter of, of God's presence for them. That is where they met with God. That is where they made sacrifices to the Lord. That is where the presence of the Lord dwelt. The reference here that, that Jonah is using could refer to the physical location of the temple or simply wherever God is, right? Jonah looks up on God's holy temple. Finally, Jonah is looking up, right, instead of this down, 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 down. Jonah believes he is driven away from the Lord, yet he trusted that he would be in God's presence again. Either in this life at the physical temple, if that was what he was referring to, or in God's heavenly abode. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Romans 15.13 said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So two questions for us today. What are we fixated on things that are temporal or things that are eternal can we like jonah say one day i will look on your holy temple or are we too focused on the circumstance no matter your circumstances are you filled with joy and peace very easily said very hard to practice second Jonah says, Yet you brought my life from, up from the pit, O Lord my God. The word pit here is, is synonymous with death. So this is Jonah's realization. Jonah has been running and running, right? But now here, he says, O Lord my God. And it just brought back that song, right? O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hand hath made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Jonah had experienced God's power already, right? In his calling, firstly, to, to reach Nineveh over the circumstances for the lots to, to fall on him with the sailors over the storm, over the sea creature, and ultimately over his life. Jonah was experiencing God's power and he calls out, O Lord my God. Friends, we live in a culture where the mantra, right, is be what you want to be, you can do what you want to do, every man's his own God, evil is good, and good is evil. That's kind of the world that we're living in. But friends, we have the reality that God 
through his son Jesus, has made a way out of the pit. Romans 10, 11 through 13 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, Jonah and the Ninevites. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You may not be spared from your circumstance or your situation. But if you are a believer, then you, like Jonah, can rest in the hope of being in the presence of the Lord. Thirdly, Jonah has a return. I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you. I'll keep this one short because it really ties in with the other two. But there are times in difficult circumstances where I forget the Lord. I try it my, my own way first. I try to just take care of it. The word here, remembered, can also be translated as professed. I professed the Lord and my prayer came to you. It reads like Jonah, right, is at the end. He's at the edge of death and he remembers the Lord. Remember the sailors calling out to, to their gods on, on the ship last week? Who answered? Who provided the way out of their situation? Who calmed the storm? God did that. There is no other so-called God or entity. There's no Zeus or Osiris or Brahma or Maui or Biami. There is one God. And when mankind humbles themselves and prays to God, big G, our prayers are heard. Jonah here, he concludes in verses 8 through 9 with a vow. Right? He says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I want to take your mind back to the sailors again, right? Chapter 1, verse 15 to 16, it says, So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. I can't say for sure, but I think Jonah's mind may have been going back here, right? The sailors tried the other gods. They tried rowing and fighting the storm. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Why do we put so much stock in that which is temporal and fleeting, that includes our own efforts. How about putting stock in something like this? Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jonah has his aha moment, right? And makes his vow. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You might know the, the story of Jonah, right? Jonah does keep his vow. Yep. He goes to, to Nineveh. But with the voice of thanksgiving? Not so much, right? 
In the next uh, prayer in chapter 4, he's angry at God because what? Salvation belongs to the Lord and Nineveh gets saved. Sometimes we can do the right thing with the wrong attitude or motivation. I pray that you and I would be able to have a voice of thanksgiving no matter our circumstance, right? Again, easier said than done. If that seems too much right now in, in whatever you're going through, I want to read to you Revelation 21.4, right? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Guys, one day Christ, he's going to come back, yeah? He's going to make all things new, and like we just read, he's going to wipe away every tear. But he's also going to come in judgment as well. But as we live our lives, let's live lives of thanksgiving and hopeful expectation. We're going to see the Lord face to face one day. Finally, we get the last verse in chapter 2. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Lovely. I want to leave us with two reminders right jonah's out of the belly of the fish our situation right it might seem severe it might seem out of control or you might be blissfully just running away from god but i want to encourage you to remember the lord like jonah did call out to him because he hears for those of you who are in our Bible study chat group, we've been sharing some prayer requests this week, right? Three kids that we've been praying for that are, yeah, really hard situations, right? Very sick, going through significant surgeries. And there's been answers to prayers already. We may not know the, the end result of what God's doing in a situation, but he asks us to call out to him. Call out to the Lord. Remember the Lord. He hears you. And secondly, God's mission and his heart is to see people come to know him. So don't fight him. Don't run from him. Don't ignore the message that he's given you to share with others. Join in it joyfully. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're good, you're gracious, you're merciful. Lord, you pursue us when we are running from you. God, I pray that we would be men and women that call out to you first. Forget our striving, forget trying to do it our own way. God, I pray that we would first seek you. May we not have to get to a point where we're brought to our lowest of low before we even consider you. God, thank you that you love us and you care for us more deeply than we could ever know. But God, the reality is that we live in a world that's sinful and broken. And yeah, we go through hard, tough stuff. God, we have friends, we have family, Lord, that are going through hard times. God, may we call out to you on their behalf. 
God, and may we join with you in your mission and your plan to redeem this world. Lord, you call us to, to share your message. Lord, and that is that Jesus came, he died on the cross for our sins, Lord. But not only that, he conquered the grave for us, Lord. He conquered sin and death so that we could be in right relationship with God. That is the message that we have for others. That is hope and light in a dark world. God, help us to be about your business and not running from it. We commit this to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. If you'd like to check out more of our teachings, please visit ccn.org.au forward slash teachings.